Hello everyone. Welcome once again to Spinistry Live. I am your race host, Kevin Lee. And out and about scouting the 100 mile route for this coming weekend's holiday ramble. I'm starting out at the north end with this video anyway. And for those of you that aren't watching, it's okay. Uh, this is more of a talking opportunity, uh, but for the YouTube version, in two and a quarter miles, turn left. We will show the video uh, of of my scouting and what's ahead. Uh, better than looking at my my mug. We're we're out scouting specifically today on Tuesday. What is it? December seventeenth, I, I think, something like that. We're specifically scouting uh, what's going to be the 100-mile uh, loop that differentiates itself for the from the 100K route. Uh, but we will start out to get some of the the 100K far north end of the 100K route. In the uh, in the scout too, but for those of you that are watching on video, this is some of the. Well, here you go. Here's a pretty dark view right here. Uh, this is some of the best parts of the route, and it, it goes through the cross timbers forest area, nice hills, and forest as well. Uh, 100k route currently planned to be pretty much the same as last year. Uh, last year we didn't have a 100 miler per se. Uh, we had a 150k route and that's that's probably the mo most of what we're going to talk about today is some new stuff that we're rolling out for 2020 uh, around the 100 mile events that we're going to be doing uh, for the foreseeable future. And I'm sure there'll be still some other changes along the way. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept right now that, uh, that we want to get into. And we'll, we'll talk about the 100 miler guidelines and how that's going to be a little bit different going forward from what we've done in the past. But in turn, it's also we're going to go back to our roots a little bit more. And it's going to adding some of these changes is going to allow us to do more 100 mile routes again we we kind of cut those down in the last year maybe two uh, for various reasons and we'll talk about that shortly uh, i would like to bring the 100 milers back and uh we'll, we'll go into those details here momentarily i'm also going to use this as a session and i do apologize we don't have a guest with us today. Uh, the idea for these for these while we're scouting podcasts, vcasts, what video casts, whatever you want to call them, tube casts. Um, ideally we'll have guests with us as often as possible, riding riding along and have a nice conversation. This one's going to be, uh, you get to listen to me the whole time. A couple different reasons. A, I'm 
still recovering from the flu that hit me pretty hard starting Saturday. And uh, I really wouldn't want to drag any long, anyone else along with me today and, and spread that flu to them. Uh, pretty much since about 8.30 or 9 p.m. Saturday night until, again, today's Tuesday, until about 8.30 this morning. I slept probably 80% of that time, which in a way was glorious. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, feel, I was feeling pretty rotten. I don't normally catch the flu or anything like that. Very rarely get sick. So when it first started coming on, I just I just thought I was tired. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Most likely at Rudolph's Revenge when we were handing out number plates and getting people signed in, I was most likely contagious at that point. So if you picked up the, the flu from me on Saturday morning, I apologize tremendously. I didn't even realize I was sick myself until that night. It came on that quickly. Saturday morning I was feeling a little tired, a little run down. Saturday afternoon is uh, really achy. Uh, could barely move, but I, again, just thought I was tired. Uh, but by the time I got home Saturday night, uh, I knew I was, I was sick. Uh, I don't get the chills and I was, I was just freezing. By 9 o'clock, I was in bed. Pretty much stayed there until 9 the next morning and woke up for a couple hours, went back to bed, and that was my routine until about 9 o'clock this morning, 8.30 this morning. I feel okay at the moment, a little headachey, but I'm sure I'm still contagious. Hopefully the family doesn't pick it up from me. So that's the main reason we're flying solo this time around. And don't have a guest. We would like to bring guests along on these ride-alongs as often as possible. So hey, if, if you'd like to talk bikes or gravel or whatever else, and you've got some spare time and can tag along for maybe a half a, a quarter day mile, turn left. for a, a spinistry scouting trip, and feeling, feel like you might be a little chatty or have something to share, give me a ping. We'll see if we can set something up. Uh, pretty much, uh, like I said, you need to be able to spare a half a day at least, depending on how far out we go, maybe a full day, uh, and in, in the middle of the week, because the weekends were pretty stacked up putting on events. So typically my scouting days are Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are usually when I squeeze some of that in, and we always... Turn left on Decoe Road 104. Always have things to scout. Now, anyone that's ridden the Holiday Ramble before, this turn we're about to make here, it's going into the uh, it's going into the roughest section of what the 100k riders typically see. Um, In two and a quarter miles, turn right. Nothing, nothing spectacularly rugged or anything like that. Call it the Blair Witch section. It's a little bit overgrown and stuff like that, but it's pretty neat. People usually get a kick out of it. And it's about the farthest point out for the 100K riders. Uh, the 100 milers, after we go through the Blair Witch seg segment, they'll split off to the left 
then go north a little bit further so they'll go a little bit further out from staging and when we get to that turn I'll show where the we'll take the left turn but I'll show where the 100k uh, riders make the right hand turn uh, this is also going to give me the opportunity to hopefully and from this point forward I'm going to try to be conscious about it I have noticed in my just there. I'll try to be conscious about it. I have noticed in my previous podcasts and audio overlays and things like that, I do insert a lot of ums and ahs. I'm going to work on that. I don't know if that's uh, something that I just need to concentrate on just speaking more freely and thinking less about what I say before I say it, or if it's a conscious effort to not insert the uhs themselves, which that is tough. The uhs and the ums, when I'm doing them, I'm not even realizing it. I think, I think that's a throwback to uh, the verbal jousting within my own family back when, back when I was a kid. I don't want to imply that we fought. It wasn't really fighting. It was more poking fun and jousting and debating. And very hard to not say um. If you have to think ahead of what you really want to say to get your point across or not catch yourself in a bear trap or something like that, in, in that environment if you paused to think before you spoke, somebody else would take advantage of that opportunity, that pause in the action for them to roll in and start talking. So I think that might be part of where it comes about for me is trying to fill, even if it's a half of a second or a quarter of a second, fill in some dead air with something so that, uh, there we go, so that people know I'm still in my turn right there. So bear with me. This will be a learning experience for me today. Uh, it's going <laughs> to... I'm really getting self-conscious about it. So this is, what we're going through now is me trying to consciously be aware of the ums and the ahs. What I'm going to try to do when we start talking specifically about the 100 milers and how they, they're going to be a little bit different going forward. I'm just going to try to speak freely and that may mean I use the words that I are less than ideal in my mind instead of thinking out, hey, here's the here's the ideal phrase for that. Uh, I, I may I may misspeak. A, here's the Blair Witch section for you, for those of you on video. This is a really neat section of road. It, it is right now in uh, the road itself is in really good shape. It doesn't usually get really bad by any stretch. Uh, but there's been times when, it, like, there's more rock in it. This is usually uh, more of a dirt-based road. And up here you can see it does hold some water sometimes in flooding. Up here you'll see this actually catches a little bit of that. But we've never rolled through it when it was completely muddy or anything like that. But this isn't, this little section through here hasn't traditionally been maintained as well as the rest of the roads in, in Cook County. And it's better maintained this time through than I've ever seen it at the moment. And we should be coming pretty close to this turnoff point 
where the the uh, 100k route will, will hang a right and the 100 miler will, will go to the left. And at that point we'll definitely just concentrate on talking about not the holiday ramble route itself. In a quarter mile turn left. In a quarter mile we're turning left. Not about the 100 miler itself, the ramble route, but the, the concept of spinistry 100 milers into 2020. Uh, we kind of kicked it off unofficially, one one portion of it, uh, with Ride the Net a couple weeks ago. And we're, we're, we're giving, and this Turn left onto Co Road 103. This is going to apply for the Holiday Ramble as well. We are giving special recognition to riders who complete a spinistry route of 100 miles or more with a, a greater than 14 mile per hour average for total time, not moving time. So that's your total time, including stops and breaks. And In one and three quarters miles, turn right. Whatever comes along. You have to maintain a 14 mile an hour average or better to, and it's we're, it's going to be a list of everyone that makes that, and then we'll give you a sticker for the specific event that you accomplish that in. So for ride the net, uh, that's a tough hundred miles in that it's a it's a slow hundred miles. It's not it's not it's not very climbing or anything like that. Uh, but the way that route works, you're, you're pedaling the whole time, and uh, there were parts of it that were damp for extended periods of time, so lots of Velcro on the tires type feel. So we only had two of our 100 milers that qualified for that. Um, so we, we had an overall podium, so only two of the top three made it for that one. I expect for most other 100 milers, we'll have a, a much higher rate of participants that, that meet that qualification, and we'll start that. We're calling it the 14ers. People that, uh, the 14ers list, or something like that. Again, our 100 mile routes, once you complete that with an average speed of 14 miles an hour or better, uh, we'll, we'll get you in, into that pretty cool and select group and we'll start keeping a list of everybody that's made it with what, what uh, actually I think we did start the list, it's on spinistry.org already. Um, and we are going to be updating the website, that's definitely a priority going into 2020. Got a lot of stuff going on after we get done with Holiday Ramble. Uh, we won't be doing our next event until the 11th, so between the 21st of December and the 11th of January, going to be traveling to Florida for the holidays to see family for both Jan and myself, but we're also going to use that opportunity to scout some of the going to California routes and hopefully update the spinistry site, hopefully update the rat site, lots of stuff that we want to get done since we don't have any events in the mix and a little bit more flexibility of what we can do when. Going back to bringing back 100 milers into uh, kind of the premier event, the showcase event. Uh, from from a this is this is really meant to be kind of going back to the roots of gravel grinding. Uh, is kind of the, the thought behind it. 
the 100 miler stuff is going to be just super, super grassroots. We're not getting away from the 100K. We're not getting away from the 50K stuff. We actually expect those to keep growing significantly. Uh, but we do recognize that there's a lot of, you know, as gravels become more popular and more events are coming out on the gravel side of things, uh, we're seeing where fewer In a quarter mile turn right. Fewer and fewer of them are taking on the, the that classic grassroots gravel grinding uh, personality. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that it's perfectly fine for other events to line things up the way they see fit. We just recognize that many of Turn right onto Co Road 102. Many of the traditional gravel riders kind of miss some of those those longer true gravel grind rides, and we want we just kind of want to bring that opportunity back on a more consistent basis for people that are looking for those. In three quarters mile, continue straight. But along those lines, and this is part of why we had to kind of scale back from the number of 100 milers we were doing and it's, in turn it's, it's why we are kind of making that that speed achievement a, a showcase of them we don't expect everyone to pull that off and we're not belittling those who can't do i wouldn't be able to pull off a 14 mile per hour average on a 100 mile gravel ride uh, even Maybe at my peak, I could have. It would have been close. Uh, yeah, no, I guess I was a solid 14 or 15 at, at my peak and not focusing on getting getting there. But what, as promoters, uh, and you know, I had to bring on Foster this past year to help with things. In a quarter mile, continue straight. We, you know, we can't. We, we can't be out there for 12 or 14 or 20 hours waiting on people who are attempting their first century ride and are they lost or whatever, we don't know. Uh, I recognize that that's a huge achievement for people. Continue on to Sycamore Creek we, Road. We encourage people to pursue their first century rides, but ministry events are not the place for people to see if they have what it takes to lay down hundred mile ride. We need folks that are going to be done in nine hours is really the, in way, a half mile turn the right. way the math works out on it. Uh, when, it was, when it was just Jan and myself putting them on, we had to hang out for a few hours waiting for folks to come in. It, it, it was okay, but I can't, I can't put, and I can't put, I can't force Dave to stay around for hours and hours and hours and turn. In a quarter mile turn right. If, if Jan's not along with me, you know, I want to get home to her and the dogs myself as soon as possible. So we think we may have found a happy medium here that um, we're going to, after Texas Chain Ring Massacre, are, uh, we're going to, you're going to have to meet a qualification. Turn right onto Delaware Bend Road of some sort or a vouch system of some sort and this is to be determined 
I'll, I'll welcome any input. Uh, but basically, you're going to have to qualify to be able to do routes of ours that are 100 miles or more. Holiday Ramble 100 Miler is open to all. Texas Chain Ring Massacre 100 Miler is open In to all. In two and three quarters miles, turn right. But after Texas Chain Ring Massacre, we're, we're probably still not going to do 100 milers at every single event. Uh, but we're going to do a bit more than we have in the past year or two. And we're definitely going to do them as often as is practical. And we may even have some... 175, 200. I don't think we'll do anything longer than 200, but who knows what may shape up outside of the rad. Um, but we're going to come up with some sort of qualification system where you sign up for the 100K, you're welcome to do the 100K. If it takes you 10 hours to do 100K, that's fine. Uh, if you if you want to do a 100 miler. You sign up for the 100K, and we'll give you the, once you sign up for that, you'll get a link that takes you to a form where you can apply to be approved to do the, the 100 miler. And again, at this moment, I don't have any idea specifically what those criteria will be. It's probably going to be something, I'm going to go backwards at this loop here, it's probably not worth this tiny little detour, but maybe it is. Because sometimes these cemeteries are cool little cool little bypass spots. The most likely scenario is that it'll be something like, you know, send us some links to your Stravas where you've done hundred milers and been able to average over, you know, 11, 12 miles an hour something like that. It'll probably be something that simple. Uh, we'll, we may also allow for a vouch system. Not a bad little detour, but crossing the road twice to pull it off doesn't make sense. So we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna include this little bypass. We'll just keep it on the FM road. The so possibly a vouch system of some sort. Uh, another thing, now this is something we have been doing for a while, and we will be, it, it's happening with Holiday Ramble, it'll be Texas Chain Ring Massacre as well. And this has been a way we have started to create a little bit of a gate uh, to 100 mile capability. Uh, obviously navigation skills are more important at the, you know, the farther longer the distance of the event gets. So for the 100 milers, where they differentiate from the shorter routes, the 100K and shorter routes, uh, typically what we've done uh, is make those self-navigated on those 100 mile segments that aren't part of the main route. Uh, for Holiday Ramble, will be set up that way. Uh, you know, this part we're riding right now, this is 100 milers only. There won't be any spinistry arrows on this segment. So you have to have self-navigation capability. Now, if you've been hearing the voice prompts for the navigation, that's the Ride with GPS app that I'm using myself. So I'm using 
the app that we provide to all of our riders for navigation purposes with the audio cues. Uh, it helps me verify that the audio cues work the way that we want, but I do, I do prefer to see how the ride with GPS navigation works for people that use it. Obviously, if you have a dedicated navigation device, like a Wahoo or a Garmin or ooh, uh, somebody else has, has a Lazine uh, has one. I haven't tried, tried that out yet. Hey, Lazine, if you want me to check it out, send me one. I'm curious. Um, the self-navigation is, you know, that's a minimal threshold for... In a quarter mile, turn right. The hundred milers. And basically... Turn right onto Borough Road. Basically self-supported is part of that as well. Uh, where we're going to... Typically for the hundred milers, we don't... Caution, unpaved road. Thank you. New truck telling me I'm going on an unpaved road. Um, Continue on to Ham Bates Road. Typically, the uh, 100 milers where they differentiate, we're not going to have water tables out there. Uh, 100 milers are welcome to share the water tables of the shorter routes when they cross paths with those water tables. Uh, but when they're on the 100 mile only sections, in three quarters mile turn left, they are expected to be self-sufficient as far as nutrition and hydration go. Uh, we, we try to route by a storm whenever possible on that longer route, uh, but we're not going to. We typically don't have a 100 mile only water table or nutrition stop or anything like that out there. And. When we first started doing that, that worked as a pretty, pretty darn good threshold. Uh, at least the the self navigation aspect of it. When we first rolled out kind of that threshold to do the hundred milers, the only people that were willing to bite that off were people that had pretty much already done the longer routes and left. knew how to navigate and things like that. Uh, but then. Until last year, we started running into people that wanted to be trained morning of the event how to use the Ride with GPS app to navigate so that they could do the 100-mile route. And, or, well, I... Turn left onto Dairy Lane. I'll just, I'll just follow everyone else, was the logic. And it's kind of like, yeah, you're telling me that right there that you don't have a lot of experience riding 100 mile gravel rides in groups of people if you, if you think you're going to be following everyone the whole route. Um, so we, we raised the threshold a little bit that helped us for a short while skill set a little bit higher for people that were participating in the in the hundred mile events uh, but then that that continue on to co road 101 that blew out fairly quickly and we were getting a lot of distress calls and a lot of people lost on course and a lot of people that we didn't hear from at all and were there in one and three quarters miles, turn left. 
two and a half, three hours after they should have been in and they're not in, they're not communicating with us, they're not answering their phone or text or anything like that. Uh, you know, sending a sweep vehicle out, not seeing them, sending another sweep vehicle out, things like that. So, it, quite frankly, it, it's it's a lot of it's that 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 late in the day, that late in the event process. That's that's a stress level that's not very appealing to a promoter at that point. Um, thankfully, we, to the best of my knowledge, haven't lost anyone yet. But we've we've definitely learned some lessons along the way uh, about that. Send people out that can take care of themselves and know that in the worst case scenario they have to take care of themselves. Uh, it's not that we're, we plan to abandon anyone by any stretch of the imagination. We, you know, if, if somebody gets in a bind out there, we're going to do what we can to help them. Uh, but in turn, our capabilities are pretty limited. So if we have six people scattered over a hundred mile route that are needing help for various reasons um, that you know that's not a realistic scenario particularly if you know if crazy weather rolls in or something like that uh, so we want people that have proven themselves to be resilient and hardy and self-reliant and things like that uh, truly being able to self-navigate not just oh I'll download the app that morning and figure it out no, I, I need to know that you have you know how to find your way. I uh, need to know that you know how to get yourself out of a situation. I know that you. I need to know that you truly recognize that if uh, if you need help, you, you better have a plan other than reaching out to us to 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 be your bailout point and things like that. The uh, the other aspect of that is we're most likely going to uh, require s some sort of real-time tracking uh, for the 100 milers and up after the Texas Chain Ring Massacre. The spot wall of stuff that we've used for RAT 1000 has been stupendous. We've tried them out on other events. It's been really difficult to get the crowd to to embrace it. Uh, so we're going to start with our longer route. Right? I would love for all of our routes and all of our riders to use the spot wall. The, the, the map plotting itself is free of charge. The If you use the telephone location service, the apps that facilitate that are also free of charge. The downside to that is if you're using the phone service, the longer the ride goes, and then if you're using the phone for navigation as well, uh, you run the risk of draining your battery, obviously. Now, you can In a have, quarter mile, turn left. You can have backup batteries or dynamo hubs or whatever else to care for that. Uh, the real problem 
with the telephone service though is our routes, particularly a 100 mile route, you're definitely going to be going through segments that don't have cell coverage. Sometimes most of the route may not help have cell coverage. The further along we get into the 21st century, turn left onto Co Road 106. The further along we get into the 21st century, the denser cell coverage gets. But there are definitely still segments that don't have cell coverage. No ifs, answers, or buts about that. So our recommendation is most likely going to be uh, the satellite tracking services from Spot. In three quarters miles, turn right. Garmin inReach, most likely. And I know that's going to, for some people, that's going to be a, uh, a deal breaker. So, and I get that. Um, those devices have become more affordable at the plan level and the, uh, the actual hardware level as well. But I'll be the first to admit, if you're, if you're just going to do one century a year or something like that, maybe, you know, maybe that's not a worthwhile investment. But realistically, uh, most of our people that do those longer rides they do numerous long rides throughout the year. They do a lot of their own stuff in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I've had a spot device for years. And even though I, I have been less than enamored with their in a quarter mile turn right business model in the past, uh, they seem to be starting to address that and recognizing that. So I think uh, I think things might be better. Uh, this looks like this may be interesting. Turn right onto Co Road 129. Got a grader out there. Let's see if we can use this road or not. like we can. Wow. I'm doing something back here. This is a neat little back road we've had to ourselves for a while. In three quarters mile turn left. Looks like they're uh, looks like they're civilizing this one. This one was this one used to be almost like rough double track. Looks like they got some kind of development going up next door and they're they're civilizing the road. Just recently, though, looks like just this this grade pass now might have a little bit of roughness to it still up here. Let's see what we run into. Well, they have definitely civilized this one, but it's still backroadish and unique, no doubt about it. more than a finisher's medal. That's more than a participation 
ribbon or something like that. Um, but it's also, you know, it's a true accomplishment. In a quarter mile, turn left. Um, but it's also something that's realistically attainable by many, if not the masses. It's realistically attainable by by many. I think I think it's a I think it's a source of achievable pride for a lot of people. Um, and I know some folks will try to figure out the system and turn left onto Ranch Road. You know, save their hundred mile attempts for like the holiday ramble. This one's really highly likely, unless the weather's crazy. Which hey, the weather looks great for holiday ramble. FYI. Holiday Ramble should be one where uh, it's never easy, but one of the ones that's more likely to knock out 100 miles plus and maintain In one an and a average. half miles, turn left. Uh, ride the net. That one's always going to be... Very few people will, will accomplish that average. Texas Chain Ring Massacre, again, depending on weather. That one should be fairly easy to pull it off. Uh, Red River Riot, not so much. So uh, people people will, will, they may pick and choose their 100 milers and that's perfectly fine if, if their goal is to get on that 14er list. Uh, realistically, we just want to get people in the mode of completing a 100 miler at a decent pace not to get away from the mode of oh I did a hundred miles I can accomplish that yes that is a heck of an accomplishment we just spinistry events aren't the place aren't the appropriate mode to get your first hundred miler booked we don't have the support structure in place for people that are newer to those distances and don't have as much uh, experience uh, on self-reliance and things like that. The, so the, the qualification and achievement thresholds uh, we think will, will help keep the level of participant a little notch higher, which helps us out as promoters which allows us to do events, more events that offer the 100 mile option. Because it's, I, I am one of those, and this, is, this isn't poo-pooing other gravel events or the state of gravel. I don't want it to sound like that. I think it's fantastic that gravel is growing and more events are out there and more people are coming into it. But we are at that, we are at that phase in the, the popularity of gravel where we've, we've made that shift from what was understood as gravel from the old guard for lack of a better term to what is understood as gravel now from the majority of gravel participants that have just come on board in the past couple years and that's going to shift a even mile, more turn left. Because I truly believe that a lot more gravel riders are coming uh, from outside of the traditional cycling realms as we speak. I th I'm going to see a lot of people coming uh, from 
Turn left on East Bewley Road. I mean, you see it already, but I think we're going to see a lot more of people that are coming from the Ironman and triathlon uh, groups. This is a new segment for me. It's part of why I wanted to scout. Doing a little. In three quarters miles, turn right. A couple of slightly different turns on this, so. We have to find one more turn to pad it a little bit, though. Because right now it's mapping out at 100.5 miles for the 100 miler. And that's not quite enough cushion just in case the mapping calculates it wrong. I want I don't want anyone to finish at 99.8 miles or anything like that. So we'll probably try to find another three quarters or a mile of what Rich Walshman likes to call gratuitous mileage. We'll probably find two three quarters or a mile of gratuitous mileage out there somewhere just to pad the number a touch, just to make sure our hundred milers get in a hundred miles this time. But I also recognize it could go the other way. It could be mapping at 100.5 and it's actually In a quarter mile, so. turn right. But uh, going back to the influx. Slight right onto Dexter Road, then turn right. Into, into... Caution, unpaved road. A little bit late on that queue. Right. New gravel riders. I think we'll get a lot from the. Turn right onto Delaware Bend Road. From the Ironman and uh, triathlon crowd. Uh, I think we're getting a pretty good chunk from the motocross crowd as well. The. I, th I think. That gravel in one mile, turn right. is getting into that um, that state of popularity where the general public, general population, is now aware of gravel riding, and I think that's actually where we're going to see the biggest influx of growth in gravel, um, which in turn will be a biggest growth in cycling as well where we're at the point now we're pretty darn close to it if we're not already there uh, where people are just going to be coming off the streets walking into bike shop doors and saying I'm, you know, I need a bike I want to I want to go ride gravel but what they're going to say is I need a bike. I want to go do the dirty Kanza. I want to go do Steamboat. I want to go do Land Run or what, what other Turn right onto Heritage Road. nationally known events are out there and they're not going to have any concept yet of what it takes to ride those types of events. And it's going to be a lot of churn in the uh, the rider base going forward. We're going to see a lot of new people come in and a lot of them that never come back. But 
it's also going to be just like we've always seen riding gravel is for people who get it people that get talked into riding gravel that have to be forced into it they usually don't end up sticking around anyway and I'm not saying it's not right. right for everyone but the people that it's right for once they do it they're almost always hooked on their first ride uh, so we're going to get a lot of that we're going to get a hundred new people in the riding bicycles in the cycle right onto Ridge Road. that their their focus is to ride gravel events and of the, of those hundred there's a new dirt road for us I always like new dirt roads of those hundred maybe maybe 20 25 caution unpaved road will stick with it in one mile continue straight and there's going so but there's going to be a lot of volatility in the market so to speak here my commodities background coming out uh, the, 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 and it's going to create some negative impressions as well because there's going to be influx of new people and the majority won't stick around but those that do stick around are going to be extremely passionate and dedicated and hardcore like most of the people that are into it now that have already been into it um, but what's going to what's going to result is particularly people with newer events or coming up with new events they're going to try to cast this broad net that well we had these 100 people come try us out but 80 bailed out but let's figure out a way to keep those 80 in or the, you know, they, they cater their events to get the, those hundred new people to begin with, but then they're constantly, you know, it's a, well, hey, we have a thousand people for this event, but only 20% came back. How do, you know, how do we get that? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be really weird. Um, and there's going to be people doing a lot of things trying to attract these newer riders. And this is this is the point where we do risk gravel becoming a fad, or you know, people have been accusing us of that for years. Uh, the, the fad the fad hasn't In been a, a thing mile, yet. Continue straight. Because again, it, it's it's been attracting the people that it's appropriate for. When it becomes a fad is when it's attracting people that truly don't understand why it's the it's the right outlet for them, which means it probably isn't the right outlet for them. And so that's when the that's when the bubble expands and continually bursts. So we're we know good and darn well that gravel's gonna be the gravel scene is gonna be pretty darn interesting for the next couple years. In three quarters miles turn There's right. Be a lot of new money, a lot of new events being piled into it. And a lot of people that are saying this is the future of gravel and this is where it's going to go. And maybe they're right. I'm pretty sure that what's made gravel gravel, those roots are going to hold true for quite a while. It's not going to necessarily hold true for the full spectrum of gravel riders that are about to be around. I'm not saying that. But as all these new people come along, there's still going to be more of the traditional 
style of gravel riders that do get thrown into the mix. So hey, if only 20% of the new people that come in get what spinistry events are about and that, you know, kind of grassroots, mile, turn right. gravel grinding type stuff, we're, we're perfectly fine with that. We're not, we're not trying to cater to the fad. Probably pretty much the opposite. Folks are probably... Turn right onto US 377 if South. If they're not already, folks will probably start talking about how backwards we are in, in trying to grow gravel. And they could be right. I've been proven wrong before. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not the type to, to sink with the ship if there's no, there's no point in it. But I think the traditional ship is plenty strong right now and can carry a darn big load. And, uh, yeah, we'll go out there. Turn left onto Graydon Road. And this is watching on video this is where we come up to the convenience store in a quarter mile miles. turn right take this little caution unpaved road back road here and up at the corner here there's a little convenience store Exxon station anyone that's done the, the longer routes out here before is familiar with this one. turn right onto Sandusky Road usually in the past we've spent time to the left here and doing some mileage out here but we're doing doing it different this year most of those dirt roads are gone in a quarter mile turn left so we're just going to double back here and the whole point of that loop was to go by the convenience store to where we were talking about grassroots gravel in general. The we're not saying we're not saying the, the traditional and the grassroots way is better. I think there's turn left to stay on Sandusky Road. Plenty of room for plenty of promoters and whoever else to come out and do new things and we welcome that. And we encourage that. And there's going to definitely be new riders coming into the mix that do want different things from traditional. In a half gravel. mile, turn right. Uh, our position, though, is instead of grasping at straws, trying to figure out what those are going to be, we're just going to we're just going to kind of go with the tried and true and uh, put on a good show. The focus is on the route itself. We want people to enjoy the ride and the camaraderie the company that's around them whenever possible have some darn good food and drink waiting at the end uh, and you know let everyone have some stories they can tell when when they get to work on Monday or, or in a quarter else. mile turn right the what we don't want our events to become are what we've 
you know, seen from, you know, some of the the road rallies and, and Grand Fondos and stuff that we've been around over the years. Turn right onto West you know, Sandusky Road. People get their finisher's medal or whatever else, and they, they, they can take that home, but... Uh, you know, it's just, it's just it's just a matter of saying that they did it, and when they get when they get to the end, it's you know, there's nothing going on. People one aren't and a hanging quarter out. Miles it's like left. get to the end, roll roll to your car, put the bike on the rack, and go home. Um, we like people sitting around and telling stories about what they came across. Hey, did that dog chase you? Did you see that deer? What about that bridge that was out? Did it almost kill you too? Whatever, you know. We we like hearing people talk about those stories uh, and sharing good times and and when they're sticking around like that and swapping stories, that's also when we get the feedback on, oh hey, we could have done that a little bit better, or hey, that worked great, let's do more of that and things like that. So that's kind of the way we. We're going to be going into gravel for 2020. I think 2020 in general is going to be a huge transition year for the gravel scene. And I honestly don't know what that what that ultimately means, what that ultimately looks like. I just, I just know change is in the wind. And I don't say change is a bad thing. I'm not implying that at all. And it ultimately... It may change the way we do things as well, but I, I think realistically it makes more sense for us to do more of what we do because as more gravel people come in, there's going to be people that are looking for what we do as opposed to what maybe the new, the new thing is becoming. Um, and that's Again, that's on the hundred miler front that we're we're putting in these thresholds and qualifications. In a quarter mile now, turn left. What your qualifications may very well be is hey, you've done ministry events in the past and I've got your recorded times of what you finished the hundred K on. And we've talked about things over a beer along the way. I kinda know your mindset on things. And that that may be enough to get you in. Keep um, left to stay on West Sandusky Road, then turn left. And also, I don't want to paint the picture that we're catering to the vastly experienced riders only by any stretch of the imagination. Turn left onto Jewel Lane. It's actually quite the opposite. We yes, we want Caution. unpaved road. This is a beautiful road. Oh my gracious. In three miles, turn right. This is going to be fast. Uh, right the opposite. Yes, we want the 100 milers to be experienced riders. No doubt about that. But everything we do in ministry is, is structured around progression. Um, we almost always have a... I, and I use generalizations here because I know sometimes the mileages vary a little bit. But we almost always have a 50K route, which is usually going to be in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 miles. We always have a 100K route. 
which can vary between 62 and maybe even up to 75 miles. Um, the 100K routes are meant, they're not meant for true beginner, or I'm sorry, the 50K routes aren't meant for true beginners to bicycling. If you just bought a bicycle at Academy Sports at Walmart and bring it out and say, I'm going to go right, you know, I'm going to go ride on some gravel. If you have any level of fitness, you can probably pull that off, but it's probably going to be a pretty miserable experience. Uh, traditionally, folks that have ridden gravel have come with a background in other riding disciplines. Uh, they've got they've got some already established experience mountain biking or road riding or or whatever else. Very rarely have people just come out and done gravel grinding as their first method of riding bicycles. Like I mentioned earlier, I do believe that's about to change. I think we're about to see actually a pretty good influx of people that come to gravel riders for their first ride. For a very first ride, spinistry is still probably not the best place to learn how to ride a bike. Uh, you know, outside of you know, doing laps around the block in your neighborhood or in your neighborhood park on the trails or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I would still say, uh, you know, shorter road rallies are probably a better starting point for newish riders like that. The, the extra rest stations and support along the way, the SAG vehicles, that, you know, that's, that's a that's a, that's a nice security blanket when you're first starting out. But as you do start to get your legs and you know get to recognize what your capabilities may or may not be, know how to change a tire, things like that, uh, you don't have to get too far into that learning curve before you're probably you know you're probably ready to, to do a spinistry 50k. Uh, and and we think we think that's we think those 50k routes are uh, a fantastic way for for people to to start learning where their niche is. And that's the beautiful thing about adventure riding, uh, bike packing, gravel riding, you know, endurance mountain biking, point to points, whatever. Everybody has a, a different little niche of if it looked like this this is this would be ideal for me um, but a big part of that is your physical capability but even more so your mental capability but mental capability is definitely a double-edged sword it's it's there's more to it than just toughing it out. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to push through this no matter what. That's at some point in there is the well, I'm pushing through this but I'm pushing too far and uh, you know, I'm hurting myself or I'm hurting my bike or or I'm putting myself too far at risk or whatever. Uh, and and everybody has to learn what get an idea what those limits are on their own because everybody's are different. It's not for me in to say. In a quarter mile, turn right. 
well, I'm able to do this, so you should be able to do that. Everybody, everybody is different along those lines. The Turn right onto Chisholm Trail Road. Portion unpaved road. Let's see where we're going here. I think this is new to me as well. I believe. Turning right. an unpaved road anymore, but that's okay. I bet the 100 milers welcome a little bit of smooth pavement. Saying I'm off course. Ah, was I supposed to turn left there? I guess I was. I could have sworn it said turn right. Turn around. Going back to everybody finding their niche and their capabilities, that's the, uh, I think that's something unique that our events do bring to the table for a lot of people. We're still giving a little bit of a security blanket along the lines of a road In a rally, half mile, turn right. not nearly as much, but, you know, we. We'll have water tables out there at key spots. You're riding with other people in front of you and behind you. If something happens, uh, somebody's going to come along. We will have a sweet vehicle at some point, you know, picking up arrows and making sure everyone's off the course, that sort of thing. Uh, we provide the navigation. So there's a little bit of a security blanket that allows people to go a little bit outside of their comfort zone and find that next In a quarter level. mile, turn right because the basics of it are you don't know what your limits are until you find them. You can think you know what your limits are, but until you actually get to that point and turn right onto US 377 South, surpass that point or you don't quite make it to that point and you find out your limit was a little bit more before then, you don't you don't know your limits till you get there. And we think we give pretty good environment for people to define their limits and ultimately to expand those limits because once you find where your limits are now it helps you build things up in one mile turn right to get past that that limitation and find the next one and at that point you have a better idea of well you have a better idea of this is what it feels like when I'm about to my limit, or this this is what it looks like, or this is when I know I'm too far in the hole, or this when I got a lot more to go. And uh, so once you start finding and defining and then redefining those limits, uh, that's when you really start. That's where you really start to find your kink, the thing that that really makes you tick on the bike, things you really want to do, and who you want to do them with, and, and things like that. And Turn right onto Orchard Road. We like, uh, 
we like riding with people that might be a, a little kinky, so to speak. It's a lot more interesting that way. But again, in one and a quarter miles, turn right. Know your limitations. And that was that for me a couple years ago when I when I did the rat. That was that was my big unknown. I had absolutely no clue if I was capable myself of completing the rat. And that, that was after putting on several rats and seeing people who finished it, seeing people who didn't finish it. Knowing the reasons why people who didn't finish weren't able to. That A lot of times that was easy to recognize. This is a new road for us. I knew it was going to be paved, but this is a pretty darn cool road. I'm liking this. Hope this works the way I have it mapped. That's pretty neat. Um, and there's no one reason people don't complete the rat. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, there's no doubt physical capability is important uh, but I would I would I'll always say that the vast majority of times the rats not completed uh, that person could still have completed it uh, if they'd have been able to push through mentally and I'll, I'll, I'll give my own example of I didn't complete the rat um, I pulled off something like 560, 570 miles of it. I got my biggest takeaway. My goal. In a quarter mile, turn right. The year I did the rat wasn't to actually complete the rat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to. It's not that I didn't want to finish the rat, but that wasn't subconsciously. That wasn't the biggest thing that I was trying to achieve. Realistically, all I was trying to achieve that year was to learn if I was even Turn capable right onto Roland Road. of doing it. And I couldn't figure out a way to determine if I was capable of finishing the rat without attempting the rat. You know, I attempted, you know, so I attempted the rat and ultimately what I learned from my attempt, even though I didn't complete it, was that it was definitely within my capabilities. In two miles, turn right. Could have completed it. Doesn't mean I would have completed it. Still, if I'd have kept plugging on from when I stopped, a myriad of things could have happened. I still may not have finished. Uh, but going back to the mental spectrum of things, uh, when when I dropped out of the rad, I was physically fine. I, my butt was sore, I was tired, but and the, the bike was fine. I could have kept going, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but I was getting the things in my head that were, they weren't telling me to quit, they were just things that were getting in my head that were making the day miserable. And it wasn't about the bike, it was everything but the bike, quite frankly. Uh, it was, it was, it was about being away from the business too long and things slipping through the cracks and uh, 
you know, if I'm not doing this, maybe this isn't happening, and, uh, you know, well, gee, if, uh, you know, you know, is everything fine with the families, everything fine with the dogs, and all, and all these things, anyone that's done the, the ultra-endurance riding, you know what I'm talking about, the, the little little doubt monster, the little seed that pops into your head that starts growing and growing and growing and it becomes overwhelming and a lot of people have those doubt monsters. Uh, it can be it can be about the ride itself, it can be about life, it can be about work, it can be about relationships or whatever else but the things that just start to overwhelm your head and mask everything that's enjoyable about the ride Caution, or the experience. Road. And ultimately, that's that's where I went with it. It was like, yes, I would like to be able to make the claim that I rode the rat and I completed the rat, but I was so miserable worrying about everything else outside of actually riding my bike it was just it was just time to pull the plug and I did need to go back to taking care of the business there's no doubt about that but it probably if it needed to it could have waited a few more days it wouldn't have been the end of the world but finishing the rat just wasn't that much of a priority for me and in a just, quarter mile, turn right. It's like anything else. If you've never smoked and had to quit smoking, maybe you don't recognize it. If you've never been overweight and tried to lose a lot of weight, maybe you don't recognize it. But anyone that's ever... Turn right onto Grayson Survey Road, Survey Road. Anyone that's ever been through those things... ever been through that before where you you're not going to quit smoking you're not going to lose weight you're not going to accomplish any of that until that truly becomes a priority for you because ultimately you know when it's it doesn't happen until you truly want it to happen it's, it's not about need it's when, when your focus is that accomplishment, that's the thing. And that's probably true for the rat as well, is my guess, is most of the people that have finished the rat, particularly the, those that have finished it after not completing it previously, I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is a guess, but I hope to have some of them tag along with me on some of these ride-alongs, because I'd, I'd really like to pick their brain on this stuff. Until, until they truly f made the focus, the completion Caution. of the rat, um, as opposed to doing it within a specific time frame 
or doing it on a specific bike or what, whatever. Uh, when the focus is on the completion of it, it's a different thing than saying, yes, but I completed it in X amount of time, or I completed it this direction, or I, I completed it on the first fat bike, or whatever. Um, the, uh, realistically, the rat's tough enough that the focus just needs to be completing it. Uh, and it, 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 it's, until you do that, Personally, I wouldn't recommend worrying about setting any records or or anything like that. Um, and definitely, the deeper into the rat you go, the more you will learn for next time. And definitely, the deeper into the rat you go, the more likely you are to complete it.
you're pretty much golden from that point. That's really not the way it works. The way it's been over the years is people have typically either bailed out in the first day or two, or they bail out within 200, 250 miles of finishing. Um, and not that, not that there's, not that they've done anything wrong. Not that there's any. I, I truly believe that most of those people that bailed out with 200 miles to go uh, could have still finished it. A lot of them may have used the excuse, "Well, I'm not going to make my record time, so what's the point?" Okay. But yet, I mean, what's the point of a record time compared to just? doing something so few people have done to begin with, you know, um, and how realistic is it that, hey, if I, if I complete it this time, then I got a better idea of what I need to complete it in the record time, if that's, that's really a focus of yours, and things like that, so lots of round and round, we're getting pretty close to, let me check this out, open. This is a road that's always been iffy for it. This isn't, I haven't routed a different way, but I'm here. So I'm going to see. We haven't had much rain. This, this road may be doable. 100 milers, be prepared. It's definitely been wet recently. And a crappy gray job recently.
the most iffy spots.
actual learning lesson for that one, though, the reason that's the main reason I got stuck uh, was I got to I got to a point where I knew I couldn't it wouldn't be bright to go any further. So I decided uh, I was just going to back up and turn around at a gate I had seen not too far behind me. Uh, but when I started to back up, I forgot about modern traction control on the vehicle. So I was making a point just to back up as steadily and as straight as I could. I had some experience driving in mud, even with a crappy front-wheel drive crossover but I forgot about traction control. And so the traction control did not like the muddy road and basically just ended up throwing me sideways into the ditch when I was trying to make the car go straight. And I couldn't figure out why the car wasn't going where I wanted to. And so once I, once, once I had wheels in the ditch, there was no way to get out of there. And the second time I got stuck was very recently also in conjunction with a net ride that the ride that we did out of Paris doing some scouting uh, for what we were looking for routes for that one and got the Jeep stuck in a pretty darn big mud hole there and that was the first time I'd ever gotten that Jeep stuck anywhere now we're back to the finding your limitations thing I, kept, I had kept trying to find the limits of the Jeep along the way without getting myself in too far over my head. It's like, well, let's see. You know, I mean, this, you know, I've got almost 100,000 miles on the Jeep, had it for four and a half years. Never got stuck. Never even got close to stuck in it. Um, in a quarter mile, turn left. And this stretch of road that I ended up getting stuck on. I actually went through probably five or six. Turn left onto Co Road 106. What at the time seemed like tougher, bigger mud holes to get to the one that I did get to. And then right here where we cross this road, this is where we come back into the 100K route for the 100 mile route. In three quarters miles, turn left. And join back with the 100K route here. And 100 milers will have arrows from this point on to the finish. But going back to the Jeep, I'd probably driven through six holes that looked and seemed harder. Uh, but each of those holes had a very, very firm rock base under them once I dug down a little bit. Uh, fairly level ground. Uh, and even though they were wider in crossing distance, they weren't tremendously deep. And so just a, just a nice steady throttle and it churned right through. Uh, this particular hole, it looked to be more of the same with a slight decline going down to it and a slight incline coming up the other side. Uh, but there were what were obviously big ruts through it, tractor ruts. But In a quarter mile, turn left. Dry ground above the tr the tractor ruts all the way across. 
well dry, not quite the word, but it wasn't underwater. And I attempted to straddle the ruts, but it was it was slick enough and off camber enough that as I started to go down the decline, the Jeep still slid down into the, the tractor ruts. Turn left onto Co Road 125. And I'm not gonna go to Co Road 125, that's the way back.
the big learning experience on that one was I didn't expect there to be any mud uh, out on that route that day. And everything except for that one stretch of road that I scouted, everything else was just bone dry. Completely bone dry. And that, that was also part of what kind of got me a little cocky. It's like, well, it can't be that wet. It hasn't rained in forever and everything else around here is so dry. But that was, that's, a, that's an area the locals evidently call the Fulbright Bottoms. And that point where I got the Jeep stuck was the bottom of the bottoms themselves. And as Corby says, bottom. So what comes around goes around. At the moment, we've uh, almost come literally full circle to where we started this video. I think this is the house where we passed that postal worker when we first started. So whatever the next road to the left is, maybe a quarter mile, half mile up here, uh, that's where we turned on the video and started recording. Not sure how long ago that was, probably too long. I doubt anybody has made it to this point. But uh, please, please do share your comments, questions, YouTube, Facebook. And here's where we started from. I'm going to keep going this way and still see some stuff I haven't seen in a while. But I'm going to go ahead and sign off now because I know I've probably bored anyone to tears that's made it this deep into the process. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining Spinistry Live.